Hey, last thing before we let you go. So Craig's our guest on Tuesdays. How much do you think he wants me to ask him about this again on Tuesday? Less than zero. A lot? A lot? No. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. wonder where folks come down on which is the greater compliment. Get to that in a moment, but this bit has been floating around on the internet. Actress Gwyneth Paltrow doing a podcast with Alex Cooper. The podcast is called Call Her Daddy. Paltrow dated at, at different times in her life. She was with Brad Pitt for quite some time, whom she, I believe, still refers to as the love of her life, right? Yes, they had a good yes, thing going there. Good for thing a bit. going. And then yeah. dated Ben Affleck for a while, whom she has good things to say sure. about, but yeah. like, right, was not her, her true love. But this podcaster, Alex Cooper, is trying to get her to dish. Brad or Ben? It'll be fun. Okay. Brad. No. <laughs> I didn't even ask a question. Oh, I thought that was the question. Brad or Ben? <laughs> he was okay. ready to go. Right. So, sorry, Ben. Like, Quick answer. Brad or Ben? Brad or Ben what? Not doesn't matter. It's Brad. But... Uh, she then proceeds to ask what, what her game was going to be is for this, Brad or Ben. A better cook, Brad or Ben. Better this, better that. Well, she gets right into the dirt here. Who was a better kisser? Oh, my God. Let me think. Gosh, I have to remember so far back. They were both good kissers. Okay. Boo. Nobody wants to cop yeah, out on that come one. On. Right? Don't be political. It's going to be they're both great at everything. That's not interesting. Not to worry, because she was ready to jump right back in when asked the follow-up question. Who was better in bed? That's really hard. That is really hard because, like, Brad was like the sort of major chemistry love of your life, kind of like at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Ben was like technically excellent. What does that mean? <laughs> I like, I like that compliment. That's a compliment, right? I think so. I think Ben has to feel pretty good about that one. This may not have been the love of my life, but this cat was real good at what he was doing. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So if I had to pick between the compliments, that would be it. Love of your life, that's a chemistry thing. It just happens to you. It's almost kind of out of your hands, right? If you believe in love, it's Mm -hmm. just, I can't help who I love or how we feel. It just just happens, right? The lightning bolt has come out of the sky, and we are in love and the chemistry and all that. This is true. Technically excellent is a transferable skill. (laughs) (laughs) That means you're good at something. And that can carry over to any relationship. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Right? Am I wrong on that? No, I, I, huh? I, I'd say you're right on the money. So if right? you're going for a compliment from an ex, no less. Technically excellent's the one you want? That guy knew what he was doing. <laughs> Technically excellent. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. It has been eight days since the Brewers last won a baseball game, and thanks to some timely hitting from Christian Yelich and some speed on the bases, the Brewers finally got back in the win column Sunday afternoon. 2-1 to Yelich. 
Lined into left field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Weimer's going to be sent home. Here comes the throw home. Weimer slides, and he is safe. Safe indeed. Lane Grindle on the call right here on WTMJ as Yelich helped bring him home. And the Brewers go on to win 7-3 in San Francisco to secure their 19th victory of the year. They are currently 19-15 and in the standings. The Brewers are back home tonight. Freddie Peralta is slated to get the start with a 6:40 first pitch. You can tune in right here on WTMJ, your home of the Milwaukee Brewers, beginning at 6.05. Over to the NFL, where the Packers' rookies descended upon Green Bay over the weekend for a minicamp to break in their NFL debuts. First-rounder Lucas Van Ness among the fresh faces looking to soak it in and take it all one step at a time. For me, I just want to come in and learn as much as possible about the system and what it means to be a professional. Uh, as I mentioned before, this is a whole brand new learning curve for me. Uh, you know, getting used to you know, playing football but not having to manage school um, and all the tradition, traditional things I had to manage as a student athlete. The Packers selected 13 rookies in last week's NFL draft, and head coach Matt LaFleur is looking forward to coaching up Van Ness and all the youth movement that is currently happening in Green Bay. Having a lot of youth is exciting because you really don't know until you get these guys in here and start to work with them. But I I do think we've got some talented players to work with, and we'll see what they can handle. Next up for Van Ness and company is the organized team activities, which begins on May 22nd. And finally, over to the NBA, where the playoffs resumed on Sunday afternoon as both The Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns even things up in their respective series at two games apiece. Round two tips back off tonight with the Knicks and Miami at 6.30, followed by the Lakers and Warriors at 9 p.m. 7.18 on Wisconsin's Morning News. At 7.21 on Wisconsin's Morning News, it was a weekend of terrifying, tragic national news out of the state of Texas. There was the mass shooting at the Outlet Mall that left eight people dead in Allen, Texas. And ABC News correspondent Jim Ryan is with us live from Dallas. That's not far from where that shooting played out. Uh, Jim, if I may, before we get to that, since you're in Texas this morning, we know eight dead, others still hospitalized after a driver plowed through a crowded bus stop in the Texas border town of Brownsville. Anything new that you're hearing on that uh, situation as they're still trying to work through a motive for the driver? Yeah, the, the driver, he's in custody, Vince. Uh, he was hospitalized for a time because after the crash, he rolled that SUV, that Land Rover, um, and was taken to the hospital uh, for observation to be checked up. But he is said to be not cooperating with the police now who are investigating this this incident that happened. Uh, the, the Range Rover uh, that slammed into this group of people who were sitting on a curb or standing on the sidewalk at a bus stop waiting for transit to get downtown to the main uh, terminal there in Brownsville and then to go to other parts of the country. These are thought to be either mostly or exclusively immigrants who had come across the border, had processed in with immigrations and customs, and then were waiting for a, a bus to take them away And when this car came crashing through. Talking with ABC's Jim Ryan in Dallas, let's move over to that uh, shooting not not too far from you, right? Uh, uh, Allen is not, not far from Dallas? Allen is about 25 miles okay. north of Dallas in the next in the next county to the north. It's uh, one of these northern suburbs that have grown so fast in the last few years. 100,000 people live there now. Uh, it's next to Frisco, another one that's, uh, that has surpassed it. It's about 200,000. But this mall is right alongside the main highway that takes you north out of Dallas and up toward Oklahoma. 
and the, uh, the, the, the shooting happened at Allen Premium Outlets uh, early afternoon, late morning, when uh, a man stepped out of a Dodge Charger uh, and pulled out a rifle and started shooting, apparently indiscriminately, at people walking along the sidewalk. This is a, a if you picture a, a strip shopping center, this is sort of like that, a massive strip shopping center, this outlet mall, uh, 120 stores makes it one of the biggest in the area. So what do we know about this shooter? He had been in the military at one point. We're told uh, only that 33-year-old Mauricio Garcia had been kicked out of the Army in 2008 because of what the military was calling mental health issues. Beyond that, he lived part of his time with his parents in northwest Dallas, but also apparently had lived uh, or was living in a a long-term motel, a residential motel there in Dallas. Not even sure what he does for a living. Nobody has uh, been able to figure that out, although neighbors say that he wears a security guard uniform or something that looks like a security guard uniform when he when he would leave for work. Talking with ABC's Jim Ryan, he's in uh, Dallas, Texas this morning. We're focused on the shooting there uh, just north of Dallas with eight people dead, others still injured. So now we turn to an investigation in terms of motive, Jim. I know authorities are being careful, but they are allowing some information to come out about the background and possible ties to extremist groups uh, among the gunmen. Uh, Correct. Yeah, that's one thing that we've learned about this digital footprint that uh, Mauricio Garcia left behind, that he had uh, either either harbored some sort of white supremacist views or at least was interested in those views. He he had some sort of a patch on his tactical vest that he wore during the shooting that indicated either a connection to uh, a white supremacist group or membership in some kind of group. But again, it appears that the shooting was random, that he wasn't picking out specific persons because of their race, uh, their gender, uh, anything at all, except that these people were shoppers walking along a sidewalk. And the victims range in age too, right, Jim? They do. There are children. There are adults. We know that the people who were hospitalized this morning range in age from 5 to 61. Some of those victims are still in critical condition this morning. I asked this question with sensitivity here, Jim, but uh, with white supremacy and hate crime possibly on the table, I have not seen a picture of the suspect, Mauricio Garcia, but his last name leads you to believe perhaps he is Hispanic. Have authorities said that? And that, that doesn't mean one way or another that that person can't also harbor those views, but it, I know it's been confusing for people. Well, it is. I have seen a picture of him, um, and he appears to be Hispanic. But again, uh, Garcia, the name Garcia can belong to just about anybody here in, in Texas, you know. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah. And so what his what his uh, yeah, what his connection was to this white supremacy. And, and you're right, this kind of dichotomy or this paradox that uh, that they're looking at now, this may then play into some kind of mental health issue. ABC's Jim Ryan. Boy, I wish we could talk more often in better circumstances, Jim. It seems like you and I have this conversation far too often. Yeah, this was the second mass shooting in just a week here in Texas, Vince. And yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a rotten situation. I appreciate you being with us this morning. Jim right. Ryan from ABC News Live with us from Dallas. I just want to scream hello. on this Monday morning. You see council get tossed again this weekend? Yeah, that was intense. (laughs) I can't wait to ask Sophia about it. 
Brewers manager Craig Council got, oh, he's already broken the record for a number of times a Brewers manager has been thrown out of a game. That happened earlier, so this is just now adding on to that total. Now, part <laughs> okay. of that is a longevity award. Sure. Because he's been our manager for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. But also from time to time, we'll get out there and get spicy with the umpires. He was totally right this time, which I think is maybe why they let him stay out there forever. But you, do you have that, Greg? Greg Pancake Kill. And Pretty now sure the Craig program. is getting fired up at the crew chief, Chris Cuccioni. And Craig Council just got ejected. <laughs> Listen to him go nuts out there. They loved it. Again, this all stems from the initial first pitch as Quentin Barry is now arguing and Pat Murphy is coming out and now Connor Dawson, the hitting coach, is coming out. This is this has been handled so poorly by this umpiring crew. And then right about then, Council even had his hat off, which doesn't happen. <laughs> hey, man. They let for dramatic stay. effect. He was out there for a long time. He was saying some things. I mean, you can read some lips there easy enough. Woo. I think Council was right, but we'll get a take from Sophia Minert. She's our guest on Brewers 360 coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After losing six straight games, the Milwaukee Brewers found their way back to their winning ways, defeating the San Francisco Giants by a final score of 7-3 on Sunday afternoon. The Brewers conclude their six-game road trip going 1-5, and and they are back home tonight looking for some home cooking against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That first pitch is all set for 6-40. Freddie Peralta is slated to get the start. Brewers 360 is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. And on Mondays, it's Sophia Minert back from this brutal road trip with a little bright spot here at the end. But, Sophia, I wanted to first ask you about Saturday night, Craig Council getting tossed again in a really wild situation that played out there in San Francisco. First of all, I think Council was totally right, which is maybe why they let him stay out there. He's for still like out a, there. For like an hour <laughs> and continue to argue his case. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was just a really odd situation and something that we've seen with the, the new rules. You get two disengagements, and basically the explanation from the umpires was that the second disengagement was negated by a mound visit. Um, and then when he threw over um, to first base with Willie Adamas at first base, Everyone on the Brewer side assumed that was the third disengagement, so that is an automatic box, so Willie should have taken second base. That's what the first base umpire indicated. The home plate umpire um, said it was not, so that's where um, everything went wrong. And, yeah, Craig, Craig was really upset about it because it was one of those gray areas of the rules, and the Brewers very much believed that it was a clear interpretation, and the umpire saw it differently. So that's kind of how those things go sometimes. I think in terms of Council uh, getting thrown out of more games than any other Brewers manager in history, I've said before, part of that's just longevity because he's been the manager for a long time. That said, I mean, when you meet Craig and you know him well, like when you're around him, he's like a really calm, casual dude. But here and there, when it's time to get feisty, he's not afraid to. Well, yeah, I mean, and especially like – in a competitive situation like that, it was a big spot in the game. Obviously, it was a tough stretch, so there's frustrations involved there. And I think more than anything, in a situation like that, like you just want to get it right. And so when you feel like there's miscommunication between the umpires or they're not interpreting the rule correctly or you see it very much from like your perspective, 
um, then yeah, he's he's going to get fired up. Like he wants to win. He wants to like protect his players if it's about that. Um, so yeah, Craig is Craig is always looking to win, and I think that's when you see like the competitiveness come out. I did wonder about that, Sophia. The idea of maybe just trying to light a spark with the team or get the dugout going, just because obviously yeah. at that point they've been losing several games in a row. Just to just to do something to shake up the normalcy. I honestly think that's like that's like an older um, yeah. thing, you know. Like I, I really don't think there's anything to that, to be honest. I mean, don't, like don't get me wrong, the players were very fired up about it because they also believed that what the umpires did was wrong. Um, it seemed pretty clear to all of us, especially with the first base umpire like pointing the three um, with the three disengagements. So, um, but look, you know, the, the umpires are human too, and these are all new rules and they're not perfect either. So, um, but yeah, I think the, I think that was something you saw more in the past, the whole, like, you know, flip the spread and flip the tables and, um, throw the bats in the shower. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and do it and doing that to fire up your players. Like I, I think at this point, um, Maybe sometimes that's the case, but that's never how Craig has operated, and, and that's just not who he is either. Hey, last thing before we let you go. So Craig's our guest on Tuesdays. How much do you think he wants me to ask him about this again on Tuesday? <laughs> Less than zero. A lot? A lot? No. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, there, I think there are plenty of other things that you could talk to him about. Well, wish me luck, because I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sophia. Great to talk to you. All right, bye guys. 749 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Mark Tauscher up next. Idea Man. I signed up for biomolecular chemistry, like legitimately. Innovative. Music was always the class at Wisconsin. (laughs) If you went into one of those big lecture halls and it was Michael LeCrone's class, you were going to see athletes everywhere. (laughs) And Packers Hall of Famer. I'll say this. I'm still not very musical. It's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by your Wisconsin Chevy dealers. Mark Tauscher on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sponsored by your southeastern Wisconsin Chevy dealers. So, Tausch, Eric's kids' baseball team, what are they, U13, you said? U13, 7th grade. Have themselves a mascot. And I'm curious, curious your take on this. Tell them about the mascot. A, A living mascot. It's at every game. It sits in the dugout with them. They brought it out to the field after they won a game yesterday. And the living mascot is a goldfish (laughs) that sits in a little aquarium on the dugout bench with the team as they bring good luck and bring fortune to their team. Okay, so how did this start? And I got a myriad of questions. Yes, all right. Proceed with your questions. Because you're going to... Be on the road, a traveling team. You're probably going around to different tournaments. This is true. So is there a spot? Obviously, at home you have it, but it does get hot out. You don't want water boiling. I I, I don't know how (laughs) did it start. Like, I got a hundred questions here of understanding how a goldfish became part of your kid's baseball team. So uh, the, the part about the temperature, it did survive through Saturday and Sunday. We had dramatic change in temperature on both of those days. Yes, so so did. far, so yes. good there. It's not floating yet. you got to have like but, a 30-degree difference in water temperature, Tausch, don't you think? It's got to be an adaptive Yeah, I fish. don't know. Uh, I, I, and again, I think anyone that's coached little leaguers, you understand that there's always distractions and things that you're trying to keep focus. And now, especially with, 
YouTube shorts and all this other stuff, attention spans are dwindling by the minute. But I do love the idea. We had, you know, our kids will emulate Major League Baseball players with the daddy's home and then the, I don't know, whatever this thing was back in the day. And I saw one, I think we talked about it on this show, the sprinkler, where if you get a doubler, a double, you can look in and do like the sprinkler where the kids in the dugout will spit water to kind of mock the um, the, <laughs> se- the sense of a sprinkler on your lawn. So I love the concept of it. The Brewers obviously got the cheese head. Yeah. But do you, does a kid hit a home run and then go feed the fish? <laughs> does he carry yes. it around like a crown? Not like yet. what is? How does that well, work with the fish? So a couple of things. So as I'm sure you know, sometimes when you're in a tournament, I know Brandon knows this for sure too. Sometimes your games are not at the same. You know, right after each other. Sometimes there's like a four hour gap. So I wasn't there when it happened, but what I'm told is during that four-hour gap, you know, coaches, parents, and kids were all at a, at a restaurant, and during that time they had like three hours to kill. Coaches and parents just kind of BS, and kids went to pet store, bought, bought said goldfish, and then there it was for the rest of the tournament, and now it's theirs. Um, as of now, I know that they've been like, there'll, there'll be kids sitting next to it with like their arms around it and stuff <laughs> around the aquarium. That's so awesome. And they did bring it out, uh, yesterday onto the field. And it's working. It's working. <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep it going. They're over 500 with the fish. So. Well, just wait. Over 500 is considered working. It, it, did they win the tournament? Because they, they, I think if it's one weekend and you end up finishing fifth, Hey, great little deal. If you end up winning a championship, you have to bring that goldfish back. Made it to but if the you're taking like consolation championships, maybe keep the fish in a I, I do <laughs> You asked like me that question last, last year, Eric. You asked me the question last year. That was my Giannis. <laughs> Nothing crickets on that, right? I thought uh, that was a great. That great was your Giannis? Right? I no, that was uh that did get it. But <laughs> I, I do thing. wonder because I thought you wanted it because we have two goldfish, and these goldfish have survived at our house, and they're getting big. Because in the old days, what do you get two weeks out of a goldfish when you drop those balls at a Uh-oh. festival? Oh, and yeah, you end no, up with, what the fish. hell am I doing with these goldfish? These goldfish, they have these things either genetically enhanced or they are all living to be long. It's they're not. It's no longer like a short lifespan for goldfish. Well, so it's funny. They're giving you five or ten years. One of the things that was brought up is should the best kid on that game's day, like that game's MVP, bring the goldfish home each night? Yeah, and he has a little <laughs> travel pack of food yeah. and snacks uh, and whatever else. So, where does yeah, the goldfish I'm guessing go? The, well, it goes home I, with one I'm of the, the families. The parents of the goldfish, the, the kid that has the game-winning hit or something's like, nah, we're good. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you guys could keep that goldfish, but again. Hey, if it's working, uh, great. But I think after a certain, it's going to get hot. I, I will. I, I worry about this goldfish's uh, health going into like ninety degree temps uh, in the dugout. But you guys feel like you got it under control. Well, then, what bring somebody, a cooler, maybe. No, when you go out to lunch, bring then somebody leaves them in the car. Right? Yeah. Oh shoot! Who had the goldfish? Right. Oh, we left it behind oh, with no. two bats. Yeah. Oh, the other team. Uh, West Dallas just took the goldfish over because you guys left it in the dugout. <laughs> and you go on a brutal losing streak, oh, never to win again. Go buy another fish. All right. Well, keep us up to date. Will do. Will do. Thanks, Tausch. Talk tomorrow. See you guys. Business headlines are up next. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Siri Lask. 
Outgoing BMO Harris Bank CEO Dave Casper said the financial institution remains committed to investing in Milwaukee as it expands through its acquisition of Bank of the West. Casper's retiring this year and will be succeeded by Daryl Hackett, who leads the bank's wealth management business. Clarios International continues.